we're talking about how that you reign in life through God's grace. We're defining the grace of God, and I want to go further into that today. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to launch off. This is kind of a foundational scripture. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Hallelujah. Romans 5, 17 says this, For if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's sin, death reigned by one. So this word reign, when we say reign, it means to have full and superior dominion. So when Adam sinned, sin came into this earth realm, and the Bible says death came in by sin, and now death had full and superior dominion, and death reigned in the earth through Adam's sin. But it says much more, and this is in the Greek, so much more that you can't compare it, much more, they which receive. This word receive, it, it's an interesting word because it, it's continual. It's in the continual present tense uh, or the continual tense. And it literally means to take hold of and continue in. So it's something that you grow in. It says they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life, how? It says here, by one, Jesus Christ. It's the Greek word, the word by, it literally means, it's the Greek word dia, which means through one. So we will reign in life through Jesus. We never reign in life apart from him. So if we ever unhook, remember, he's the branch, we're the vine. If we unhook from the branch, the Bible says we cannot produce anything. So we are to, we're to reign, have full and superior dominion in life through Jesus, right? So remember, we define grace as unmerited favor, that means that we don't deserve anything that God's done for us. He just showed us favor. He gave us everything by his grace. We, we couldn't earn it. We, we don't deserve it. So you could, you could define grace as God doing for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. You could also define grace as the finished work of Jesus. And his work is finished. Remember when he was on the cross? He didn't say, okay, it's begun. No, he said it's finished. So that means it's finished. You could say it this way, that means Satan's finished. Sickness is finished. Poverty and lack is finished. Depression, anxiety, fear, all of this stuff, it's finished now. It has no power over you as a believer. Isn't that good news? So the finished work of Jesus, you could define it as. We saw last week, so, and through this scripture, there's two components that you need to walk and reign in life. You need, number one, you need to receive the abundance of grace. What that means is I must continually take hold and I must continually grow in the abundance of grace. It's something I take hold of and I continually grow in. 
What are we talking about? I continually grow in the operation of grace. I continually grow in operating in the grace of God. That's what we're talking about. Number two, I must take hold of and continually grow in the gift of righteousness that's been given to me. Now we know righteousness is not a thing. Righteousness is a position. And we also know that the moment you get saved, you are, you are literally made the very righteousness of God. You're not clothed in his righteousness. You're made his righteousness. So you can't grow and become more righteous. But this word is saying you have to grow in something. You have to grow in the gift of righteousness. So if I can't grow in righteousness, what this is talking about is I must continually grow in the revelation of who I am in Christ. That's how I grow in righteousness. I'm growing in who I am in Christ. So now I see that the two components, I must receive the abundance of grace and I must also receive and grow in my knowledge of who I am and who I've been made in Christ Jesus. And if I do those two things, now I will reign in my life here. But my life, see, my life will be, it's in Christ. So I'll reign literally in Zoe, his life, and I reign in it through Christ. Do you see that? It's through Christ. Everything I do, Man, I could tell you today, I am who I am by the grace of God. I do what I can do by his grace. I, the only reason why I could see anything and know God is because of his grace. Any anointing that is upon my life or in my life, any of it is because of the grace of God. Any blessing that I ever receive from him is because of his grace. So this is why faith is a rest. Because I don't have to do it. I have to believe it. Isn't that good news? So we went over that last week. Now you're in verse 17. Verse 21 brings a little bit more clarity here. It says in Romans 5, 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness. It doesn't say, and it says, well, it says grace will reign through righteousness, and then it says unto eternal life. It doesn't say it'll reign by eternal life. The grace of God reigns through righteousness unto eternal life. So what does that mean? It means that grace, the grace of God, is what brings you more and more into eternal life. That's what it means. You can't move more and more into eternal life. Well, that does away with this great man of God thing, doesn't it? Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm the pastor and I'm a great man of God. No, 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 I can't move more into eternal life. 
I've got to be, I, I've moved more into eternal life by the grace of God. What does that mean? That means if I have symptoms in my body and the Holy Spirit is stirring me with scriptures, I'm like, Father, I thank you that by your stripes I am healed and now I curse this sickness. And I say, body, you be healed, you amen quickly. Or when I come up to a situation that it just seems like the door's closed, there's nowhere to go, I sit here and laugh at it and go, no. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you open doors that no man can shut. You shut doors that no man can open. I'm already victorious, so this has to bow to who I am in Christ. And what happens now is I walk in that, I start to see changes in my life. That is, that is the grace of God, all this, the finished work of Jesus, God doing for me what I could never do for myself. His unmerited favor now is moving me more into my eternal life. Isn't that good news? This is what we're talking about. This verse has to do with you and I, we're operating in something. So then in, if you jump back in Romans 5, to verse 1 and 2, it says something that's very important. It says, therefore, Romans 5, 1, being justified by faith. See, I was made righteous. I was declared righteous by faith. I simply, I didn't have to do anything. I just believed that Jesus died for my sin. I believe he paid my price. And when I did that, and when I said, now Jesus, because I believe you died for my sin and rose again and are seated in heaven, right now, I, I choose by an act of my will to proclaim that you are my Lord and I invite you into my life. And he comes in and he takes out the spiritually dead spirit that I was and he puts a brand new spirit in me and I am made. That, that new spirit is literally made in the very righteousness of God. It, that, the spirit, the man that I now am, has complete access. Actually, now I am now in Christ, in God. Isn't that interesting? So I have, it says here, I was justified just simply by believing. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to God. Right? You come to God... And he'll clean you up. And he does it in such a gracious and wonderful way. It says here, we have, because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You Christian who are not living the way that you should live, you're at peace with God. He's not mad at you. He might not be pleased with what's going on in your life. You know why? Because he wants to bless you. He just can't get it over to you. If you won't believe him or if you're beating yourself up and you're living this lower life of sin. See, he, it just doesn't please him. But, oh, you have peace with him. And the minute you make a decision, all of heaven is there. He's like, man, that's awesome because I put greatness in you. Right? It says here we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 2, it says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. So because of Jesus, I now have access by faith, right, into this grace wherein I stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So I have access by faith into this grace. 
Has anybody ever, have you ever been witnessing to people and they've said to you, well, you know, if God's so loving, then why doesn't he just save everybody? Well, he already did. But to access it, you have to believe it. Because you only have access into salvation by faith. Do you see that? Well, I need God to help me financially. Oh, he already did. As a matter of fact, every bit of finances that you will ever need to do everything that God's called you to do, you already have. But you can't access it without faith. In other words, you can't access anything from God if you don't believe it. Why is it that way? Because otherwise, he would be violating your will. And he won't violate your will. He gave man a will. One thing about God, he doesn't line up with us. We got to line up with him. Right? So do you see that? This is why this scripture is so important. Salvation is the initial work of grace in a person's life. We receive everything that God's given us by his grace. We receive every bit of it through faith. You see that? We receive every bit of it through faith. We must realize, we said this last week, that you, we must realize that we can't do anything, anything to get God to bless us. You, you can't pray enough. You can't confess enough. You can't do anything to get God to bless you. Why? Because you can't earn the blessing of God. Right? How do you get the blessing of God? It's not what you do. You have to believe. You can't please God with anything that you do. You please God with what you believe. Does that make sense? So you could say it this way. Faith has been given to us. It comes by hearing the words of Christ, the, the anointed word. When we hear the anointed word, when that word goes off in my spirit, not in my ear, that's listening, but when I hear it, faith is there. And faith is given to me for the purpose so that I could appropriate what God gave me by his grace. The word appropriate means I take possession of what he's given me by his grace through faith, which comes from hearing his word. So this is why Jesus went around going, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The spirit of God would be saying, right now, he's, he's trying to get you to hear. So many people, see, if you decide, well, I just don't believe in that tithing stuff, and I just don't believe in that forgiveness stuff and and you know that that tongues business and that holy spirit stuff i just don't believe in that what you're what you're revealing are blind spots in your life because it doesn't matter if you believe it or not it's truth it's it's in his word you know sometimes people don't like me so much because of what i preach but you know what i i feel very confident because if I stand and preach the word, listen, I'm not telling you in my own opinion. No, no, no. It's, it is written. There's a lot of weird beliefs out there. This is why the, the big question is, hey, that sounds awesome. Where is that in the Bible? And usually you're going to get an empty look. 
Well, I just don't believe in that healing business. Oh, okay. So what are you basing that on? Right? Where, where is that? Because there's not one scripture that'll back that up. Do you, are you, you guys are kind of like looking at me like, okay. Right? So this, this is absolutely the truth. The word of God is truth. So we access by faith the grace of God and that causes us to stand. Does that make sense? So what happens when I'm in a situation, I literally, I'm meditating in the word and the Holy Spirit brings revelation to me of his word and I hear it. And now faith is there and I'm fully persuaded that what God said is true. And now what I'm doing is I access by faith. I go in and I grab hold of that promise. And that's how I access grace. And what that does, that causes me to stand and rejoice in the hope. The confident, joyous expectation of God's glory. Not if it's going to happen outwardly. No, I already have it. Now, nobody else might be able to see it. I can't see it in this realm, but I will. So this is why I stand now and I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Do you understand that? See, everybody wants to see it before they believe it. But you can't believe it when you see it. You'll know it then. Right? right? Believing is seeing. Seeing is not believing. Right? This, is, this was a statement made years ago by a little elf in a movie, The Santa Claus. She looked at Tim, who was, who was, I mean, it was a powerful faith statement. And he goes, I'm seeing a polar bear direct traffic. I'm seeing this, but I don't, I, I don't believe it. And this little cute little elf, who's like 200 years old, she looked really good. I mean, she looked like she was 13, you know. And, uh, and she, said, she said, oh, seeing's not believing. Believing is seeing. And that's what God would say to you today. You choose to believe. And see, you don't even have to choose. You choose to get in his word and submit your life to his word. Put him first, and I'm telling you, you'll walk out everything that God has for you, and nothing will ever be able to stop you. Because you'll start seeing things. You'll hear it on the inside. That'll cause faith to be birthed. Now you'll grab hold of that promise, and you'll receive through faith what he's given you by his grace. And it'll cause you to stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is exactly what this verse is talking about. We have access by faith into grace, which causes us to stand. So now jump over to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 18. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But grow in grace. Well, of course, remember, they which receive, they which take hold of and grow in. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. So 2 Peter says the same thing. But grow in grace, and then he, then he says this, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Growing in grace is not this one-time event. It's an ongoing process. So as we talk about the grace of God, this is something that you will grow in. And the Holy Spirit will orchestrate it. He will grow you up in grace. So then we've said now the grace of God is unmerited favor, 
We've said it's God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves, right? We said it's the finished work of Jesus. And then last week, we brought out, the, we looked at the Greek word grace. In every situation in the New Testament and its Old Testament counterpart, the New Testament Greek word for grace is the word charis, right? Andrew Womack has a Bible college in Colorado called Charis Bible College. Grace Bible College. That's, that's what that word is. And what that word means is the divine influence on my heart and its reflection in my life. That's what the word grace means. And this is now giving us a big picture of how we grow in it. The grace of God is the divine influence on my spirit man that now manifests out of my life. Does that make sense? So let's talk about that. God's influence on your heart and its reflection in your life. Or you could say it this way, the grace of God literally is a divine deposit in your spirit man of his ability. He deposits his ability in a person and what that provides now is it will provide outward manifestations of that person's life of God's glory. So God deposits in you his divine ability and then what comes out of the result of that is his glory. Where Jesus said, remember God said in the Old Testament, he said, as truly as I live, my glory will cover this earth as the waters cover the seas. How's that going to happen? It's the glory of God coming out of his children as they're walking in the grace of God. Does that make sense? So think of it that way. This word is talking about something from within, an influence from within, and this influence will attract people to you to bring the success in your life. This is why it's so important. Geography is important. Where you go to church is of utmost importance. You don't ask the question, any question except, is this where God wants me? Right? Yet where you live ge geographically is so very important because the blessing of God is in that land. Your fruit is in the land where you live. And the grace of God, this divine influence in your heart, will attract your fruit to you. Whatever you do in life, it, you know, you're all in full time ministry, you're just disguised as different things. You could be disguised as a housewife or an accountant, or whatever, an electrician, or, or an employee of a company, but you are a full-time minister of the gospel. You're here to yield all of your fruit. You're here for God to pour his grace into you, and so that his glory comes out of your life, and that glory attracts people. There will be something about it that will attract people to you. So whenever you are wherever you are, and this is the thing, you got to learn how to be led by the Spirit because sometimes your fruit doesn't like you. All of a sudden, they're, they're attracted to you, but they want nothing to do with God. Right? See, if people don't love you initially, listen, be like you're in sales. You know what, when you're in sales, you know what no means? It just means that the person needs more information. Right? So, so, but that's the way it is. So you walk around going, everybody loves me. 
Well, that person sure doesn't. Oh, they just need more information. Because sometimes, see, it's a spiritual battle. They might not like you, but what it is, they, it's not really that they don't like you. They don't, they're, they're kind of shrinking back because there's a pull that's going to lead them to God, and their flesh doesn't want it. But it's a paper kingdom. Don't worry about that. You just keep praying, right? So this is, this is real interesting. It'll draw people to you. God has placed something in you that draws people to you. It'll bring success to you. This is why you don't have to, see if you, if you try to work hard enough to be successful and you try to make it happen, that's toil. Can you make it happen? Oh, you, you can make yourself successful on a certain level, but we're not talking about a certain level. We're talking about Zoe life. We are to, through grace, we reign through Jesus and it takes us further into eternal life. It's a place of rest. It's a place of peace. It's a place where the peace of God will mount guard over your heart and mind and get you through things that in the natural are hard. And you're sitting there and it's almost like you have this coating around you and you're saturated in the peace of God and you're going, I should be stressed out right now, but, I, but I'm not. That's, that's what God has for you. And he leads you. He's your strength. He's your joy. He's your peace. This is what we're talking about. God has placed something in you that'll draw people, that'll draw success to you. It's very specific to you. What do I mean by that? It's specific to your plan and your purpose. Right, you young people, listen, God didn't place you in that middle school or that high school for no reason. God wants to move through you to leave an imprint of changed lives there. Now here's the thing, does that mean you gotta go tomorrow and you gotta beat everybody up with the Bible? No, you may not say anything. It means you get up in the morning, you stay full of the word, and you're like, Lord, I'm available. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, people will start coming up to you. What is it about you? I need to have what you have. And you're like, oh, well, I got good news. It's, it's, all, it's all him. And it's for everybody. I mean, we need to take the pressure off ourselves. You know why people don't witness? They say the average Christian now never leads anybody to Christ. That's amazing. That tells me that the average Christian is not abiding in the vine. I'm so thankful we're not average. Call us anything but average, right? So see, what do we do? We take all the pressure off ourselves. Listen, all I do is focus on knowing him and everything else flows from that, right? I don't set goals, I'm gonna minister, I'm gonna witness to 10 people this week. No, 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 no. I don't wanna be, I don't wanna, I don't wanna witness, I wanna be a witness, right? Do you ever notice how Satan talks to you about how you're never enough? Because he doesn't want you to be who you are. He'll sit there and, t and, and pick one part of your personality. Oh, look at this. This is so ridiculous to try to keep you over here in a corner. Listen, your personality came from your father. And oh, it might be twisted by a little fear and doubt and some unrenewed mind, but don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit will take care of that if you're willing and obedient. Just get in the Word. Have you ever noticed how he doesn't want you to ever read your Bible? 
And people don't read the Bible. Why? Oh, pastor, I just don't understand it. Listen, this is, this is not like a book that you went to school to read. You can't understand this with your mind. It's spiritual. It's living. So what happens is you, through discipline, whether you feel like it or not, just start reading and you're thanking God. Father, I just thank you that you're talking to me. And Jehoiamim, the son of Kariah, and all the captains, you're like, your mind's going, what? okay, what does that have to do with anything? Right? No, no, don't worry about that. It's spiritual food. The Holy Spirit will be down there teaching you some things. And pretty soon, in a matter of just literally a couple months, two, three months, God will be talking to you. He'll use everything to talk to you. And all of a sudden, things will start going off in you. And, and all of a sudden, you'll get in a situation and you'll have something to say. And there will be a strength in you that you didn't have before. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I'm getting to know God. See, the understanding in your mind comes as a result when revelation comes as you're meditating in the word. The word comes out of your spirit and your spirit communicates that to your mind and God is now able to pull junk out and renovate your thinking to pretty soon now your mind starts understanding who God is. It's a process. God has placed something in you. Never forget that. It is God's influence within you that is intended by God to be reflected out of your life. You see it in the life of Jesus. We'll probably look at that. Jesus' life completely reflected who his father was. Jesus had, was so under the influence of the father, all he wanted to say, all he wanted to do was what the father said and what the father did. That's See, God wants to bring you up on his lap and he wants to say, son or daughter, I want you to know me so much so that that influence just, it, it permeates everything in your life. That's what he wants. So now I want you to go to Exodus. Exodus 33. Hallelujah. Exodus 33, verse 12. We're going to read about 11 verses here. And it's going to give us a picture of the grace of God, a powerful picture. And so, so remember, we, we read the Old Testament under the light of New Testament truth. So you're going to see some wonderful principles here. So now, here's the background. God is speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, right? He puts his associate in charge of all the people. But then when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai, Aaron had got with the people and made a golden calf and they were worshiping a golden calf. That's how ridiculous spiritual death is. You got God right on the mountain that you can see. He's kind of freaked out about it. But you're still worshiping a golden calf. And now we can't look at them and go, how stupid, because we've done stupid things like that. Some people worship like NFL, football. Some people worship silly things, like my car. Right? We have little idols that we worship. So, so here comes Moses down, down from the mountain. And Aaron, this is what's happening. Moses is not real happy about it. I'm sure God's not real happy about that, right? But after this event, Moses, Moses, God is telling Moses, I want you to take the children of Israel into the promised land. So now they are at the area 
around Mount Horeb. Now, Mount Horeb, if you were standing at the Jordan River, Mount Horeb would be right there across the Jordan. And right back there is Jericho. So Moses, he has them set up the tabernacle by Mount Horeb. And Moses and Joshua go into the tabernacle. And now, if you could imagine, two to seven million Jews. I think it was probably two to three million. But they say it could be as many as seven million Jews. Could you imagine what a campsite would look like? I mean, we're just talking huge, right? And then you got the tabernacle set up. And and Moses and Joshua go into this tabernacle. And then all of a sudden, God appears in the doorway of it, in a cloud. And the Bible says he speaks to Moses face to face. And it says that everyone stood in the door of their tent and was looking. So they all could see the cloud. First of all, they've been led by a cloud by day, so they know what that cloud looks like. But now that cloud is standing right in the doorway. And they're, they're looking, right? So this, this that we're going to read is the interaction that takes place. So, <laughs> Moses, in this conversation, is seeking to know God's will about his assignment. God's wanting him to take the children of Israel into the promised land. Could you imagine? Hey, Mo, by the way, uh, I want you to take all these people and go, go, go into this land that I've given you. Uh, I mean, the, your, our first question would be, um, okay, that is much bigger than I am. I have no idea. I mean, plus there's a river. It's flood season. Well, you know, I, I, whatever it is. We don't know all the circumstances. But anyway, Moses is like... Um, God, I really need to talk to you about this because I don't, I don't really know how to do this, right? So this is what's happening here. God wanted, or Moses wanted God to show him his will for his life. And he asks him two questions. Who will you send with me? Now that's hilarious because Moses, God already gave Moses Aaron. So Moses wasn't talking about something natural. Some natural person. Now, we're always looking to the arm of natural. But Moses is going, this is a pretty big deal. I mean, I could, he could probably see Jericho, you know. I mean, 100-foot walls, 50-foot deep, all the way around this gigantic city. Most fortified city in the promised land. Who knows what all he was looking at. But he's like, uh, this is a pretty big deal. Who are you going to send with me? And then he said, show me your will. He didn't say, tell me your will. He said, show it to me. Interesting, right? So God's reply to Moses is, my presence will go with you. So Moses, who's going to go with you? I am. And then what's, show me your will. God responds, I will give you rest. Do you realize that every one of you will stand And God will face to face, you'll have that interaction with him on this earth. You're going to be like, God, how am I going to do? I I, I don't even, how am I going to do this? Who's going to go with me? Show me your will. Right? And God's going to say the same thing. 
He's going to say, you know what, Leanne? I'm going to go with you. I'll be the one that goes with you, and I'm going to give you rest. When that happens, guys, you stop trying to become. You realize you are. And that everything that you do in your life, it'll be him doing it through you. And you're not trying to be successful. You already are. Why? Because you're born of him. And his presence is with you. Didn't he say, these are Old Testament servants of God. We're not servants of God in our relationship with him. We're children of God. And he said to us, I will never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. That's good news. What I'm trying to get you to see here, and as we read these verses, if we could slow this clock down, is grace is a place. There's a place in Christ of grace. It's a position with God. It's not just a condition. So let's look at this. Verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord. Now, now check out how Moses is talking to God. I mean, it makes me kind of shudder a little bit. Because I'm like, dude, you need to relax. This is, this is God. Right? And Moses said unto the Lord, See you say to me, bring up this people, and you've not let me know who will go with me, who, or who you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. So Moses is saying, gosh, God, you know, you, you said, you know me, you know my name, and I found grace in your sight, but you haven't shown me who you're going to send with me. Right? Moses basically is saying to God, you told me what you want me to do, but you haven't told me who you are sending with me to do it. Moses knew we never do anything by ourselves or for ourselves. Verse 13, now therefore, I pray you. So he's, he's talking to God. Now he's, the Bible says he's talking face to face. Now he can't see God's face because he would die. God's in a cloud. But could you imagine what he's feeling? God of all creation, right there. Boom. Right? Notice how comfortable Moses felt around him. Wow. Now, therefore, I pray you, verse 13, if, <laughs> this is brave, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Now, this in the Hebrew language, this word way means will. So Moses is saying, God, if I found grace in your sight, show me your will, why? That I may know you. Christians all over the place running around, I just don't know what God's will is for me. You're looking at the wrong thing. Because you have to know his will to know him. See, you can't really know him if you don't know he's a healer, he's a deliverer, he's a provider. He's one who takes the foolish things of the world and confounds the wise. He's the one who will take the weak and confound the strong. Right? He's the one who makes a way where there is no way. He's the one who could take a life that's completely messed up. This person has completely messed up their life. The whole world says... Your life is over. And God says, oh no, it hasn't even begun. 
See, you got to know God's will for your life to know him. And it says here, show me now your will or your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight. See, God says, I've given you my grace, but Moses is saying, I've got to know your will so that I can know you so that I could find the grace that you already say I have. That sounds a lot like our life, doesn't it? And it says also that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Moses is saying, when he says that, he's saying that they are God's people. It means, God, I cannot tell these people specifically what to do. You have to help me do that. Because God's going, take the people in the promised land. God's going, God, that I might find grace in your sight. These people are your people. I can't, I can't tell them what to do. You're going to have to empower me to tell them what to do. Right? Show me your way or show me your will. You should write this in your notes. Grace is to help me see and know things. Grace helps me see and know things. This place, this position, this condition with God is designed to help you see and know things. Man, you can, that's worth your time this morning, right there. God will help you see and know everything that you need to know in your life. Moses is saying, show me your will. Now, this is the, this is, this is the principle. Moses is saying, show me your will, the second thing, that I might know you, the third thing, that I might find grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. You see that? So what's your potential? Your potential is unlimited because he's unlimited. I love that. I want to take what you show me and grow in grace. That's what Moses is saying. See, they that receive, take hold, and grow in the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. So what, how we do that is, God, show me your will so that I could know you and find grace. And then I could grow in this grace. I'll take what you show me and I'll grow in grace. Right? You'll be stronger this afternoon than you are this morning. Grace is not only about what you don't deserve, is what I'm saying. It is about that each of us, each of us as individuals, have a special place in God. Man. You gotta stay in the word because you gotta stay fresh. Otherwise, you'll get over in your mind and you'll miss this incredible thing that God has for you. Verse 14, God answers, and he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. See, this place of grace causes the Holy Spirit's presence to be present everywhere 
that I am supposed to go and upon everything that I am supposed to do. Everywhere I go, everything I do, because of grace, it causes the presence of the mighty Holy Spirit to be upon it. So he brings things to pass. When people are confused about how to be led by the Holy Spirit, it's, it's revealing that people don't have a clue about God's plan for their life. So as you're ministering to people, if, if they're struggling with that, realize that's where they are, and the Holy Spirit wants to reveal it to them. How are you going to find God's plan for your life? Where do I go to college? Who do I marry? How do I make this marriage work? How do I not kill my husband? Right? You know, there's questions we have in life. How can I walk in love towards this little four-legged dog? Right? How? To know God's will for your life, it's found here. And as you see, as you peer into the word of God, you'll get to know him and you'll get to know his will for your life. It's, it's together. And now you'll take this and grow in grace, which will enable you to tap into his ability to bring all this stuff to pass. So all of a sudden, you're not walking around going, man, I sure hope I marry the right guy or the right girl. You're walking around going, Father, I thank you for my husband. Father, I thank you for my wife. I thank you that I don't have to worry about this. I'm just going to seek you, and you're going to bring them. I'm so thankful that you, I know, see, all of a sudden, when you start to know some things, you don't sit there and go, man, I just have no idea what I'm supposed to do with my life. You'll get over yourself and start talking like he talks. You'll know he's faithful, so you'll start saying, Father, I thank you that I know your voice. Another voice I won't follow. I know your will for my life. It's becoming brighter and brighter and clearer and clearer to me every day. I refuse to ever worry about it. Right? This is how, this is how you walk this out. Follow God's plan. Boy, this is a big statement. And you will always have his presence. Have you ever... Have you ever followed your own plan? You think you're following God's plan? And you step into it, and all of a sudden you're like, uh, we're, we're, you, know, he, you know he's there, but you're not, you, you don't sense his presence because you're doing your own thing. Jump back. Just jump back in his presence. How? Holy Spirit, help me. I submit my life to the word. I'm just going to get in the word. Know that God will be there to help you. I will give you rest. God is telling Moses, Moses, I'm going to give you rest. See, what God was saying is, Moses, you're not going to have to be responsible for over two to seven million Jews. I'll give you rest. Whatever God calls you to do, I'll give you rest. They have this thing with pastors called ministry burnout. It, it's designed outwardly where pastors will say, I'm just so worn out in the ministry that I need to take a sabbatical. I need to go away from you people for three months because I'm just such a mess. And that sounds so spiritual. But if he's giving me rest, why would I ever need a sabbatical? Oh, I get it now, pastor. You're responsible for all the people in your church. Oh, that's stupidity. Because, you know, in, 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 in my own ability, I don't have any ability to help you guys at all. 
But I could stand up here and drool on myself and just say what he wants me to say and do. And, 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 and when I'm not here, just pray what he wants me to pray. And whether you know it or not, it's helping you big time. Because wherever I go, I'm in his will, so I know his presence is there. And his grace is there. And therefore, the Holy Spirit is upon everything that I say and everything that I do. And if I mess up, he just he shows it to me and I step back. It's awesome. That's the way all of us are supposed to live. You can rest when you're over two to seven million people if you let God do the work. God's rest will refresh you. Verse 15, and he said unto him, if your presence go not with me, don't carry us up. Moses is saying, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Verse 16, for wherein shall it be known here that I and your people have found grace in your sight? See, Moses is saying, how, how in the world are the people going to know that we found grace in your sight? Is it not in that you go with us? How is the world going to know that you found grace in God's sight? Because his presence is with you. It says, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. So this is saying, how is anyone going to know if we have this special place of grace with you if your presence is not there. This special place of grace with God will separate you so that people will see that you're different from the rest of the world. Why are there not more filled chairs in churches today? Because the world sees no difference between a Christian or somebody who doesn't even know God. Because we all go to the same bars, we all talk the same, we all drink the same, we all sleep around the same, we all are in fear the same, we all have the same antidepressant medication, we all see the same counselors. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to live like that. That's not who you are, and you don't have to make it happen. Don't try to overcome a drinking problem or a drug problem. Don't try to overcome things and, oh gosh, I just got to walk holy so people will know. No, 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 you'll fail. But his grace will empower you if you'll get your eyes off all of that and put your eyes on God. I just want to know you. And I know as I get to know you, I'm going to put you first now, it's a little scary because I've got some things going on in my life that if they don't work out, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I've, I've made a decision. I know you're with me. So you're going to keep me, you're going to hold me up during this time. And I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to get to know you. And, and Father, I'm, now I'm saying this because I need your help. Whatever you tell me to do or say, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to submit my life. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to do it. And if I mess up, I'm going to jump back in and I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm never going to stop because I know you're faithful. And I know you'll get me to the other side. Now what happens to that individual is all of a sudden they get so, because as you get this word in you, all of a sudden things just drop off of you. You don't have to try to overcome an addiction. It falls off of you and you realize I don't have it anymore. 
Because I'm so, you just start walking with God and you're like, wow, he loves me. That, that eclipses the financial problem you're in. That eclipses the health battle that you're in. It eclipses everything. And all of a sudden now, you, you know, man, go here, do this, say that. You're no longer looking at the end result because you already know you already have the end result. It's in you, and now it will show on the outside. Because the grace of God, I've accessed it by faith, and now I will walk in all of it. And as it's manifesting on the outside, see, now the world will know that you're a child of God. I hope the world doesn't know, your coworkers or people, that you're a child of God because you're thumping them on the head with the Bible. Listen, if they don't see it, it's not going to do any good. Just love them. Say to them what the Lord would prompt you to say. Sometimes your flesh will really want to say some things, but just speak out of your spirit. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden you'll get to heaven one day and there'll be people coming up to you and going, man, thank you so much. I'm here today because of you. You don't know it, but man, you work with my uncle. And my uncle ended up moving away and got saved, and then he led me to Christ, and now my whole family's saved. Here, I want you to meet him. That's, that's literally what your life will be. God has called you to lead a, lead a supernatural life. This special place of grace with God will separate you so that people will see that you're different than the rest of the world, and this is what makes a way and a place for you. Now, I'm going to go a little longer today. I'm not going to ask for you to forgive me for that because this is going to be really good. I want to finish these next few verses. And the Lord, verse 17, said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that you've spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. New Testament, let's take that statement into the New Testament. God says, I know you by name. Are you getting ready to shout? Do you know what name he knows you by? He doesn't know me by Tony. He knows me by the name of Jesus. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. He loves me as much as he loves Jesus. When he sees me, he sees me in Christ. He doesn't see me in my sin or frailty. He sees me in Christ. I know you by name. He knows you by the name of Jesus. This is Bible we're talking about. In Christ. In Christ. What is that? That is the place of grace. And you're in Christ if the Spirit of God is in you today. Who we are in Christ. I grow in who I am in Christ. That is the place of grace. In this place of in Christ, 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, for all the promises of God in him or in Christ are yes, and in him, amen, unto the glory, unto the glory of God by us. Verse 18, and he said, so now, after God says, I'll do this thing for you, Moses, because you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Now look at what comes out of Moses. 
It seems like he's changing the subject, but he's not. What's happening now, he knows that he is so intimate with the God of heaven, now his desire comes out. And he says, God, I beg you, I beseech you, show me your glory. That was his desire. The place of grace enables Moses to ask for the desires of his heart. Mark chapter 11, this is why most people never walk in this verse. What things soever you desire, believe you receive it. Right? And you'll have it. Whatever you desire when you pray. See, most Christians don't desire because they, they don't have a revelation that God has graced you and you know, he knows you by his name, by the name of Jesus. This is talking about seeing and knowing things that you need to see and know in order to follow God's plan for your life. You've got to know these things. Knowing God's will is knowing him. God responds, there is a place in me. Look at this. Verse 19, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And look at what else he says. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Why did God say that? This means God is saying, I am making a special place of grace for everyone who is in Christ. The glory of God is his goodness and him proclaiming the name of Jesus. You want to see, the, see, I love this? I love it because guess what? You and I as believers... His, who, what will follow me all the day of, of my life? His goodness. That means what? He's gonna, his goodness, his proclaiming the name of Jesus. How does he proclaim the name of Jesus over me? When I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare that I'm healed. He says, yes, Tony, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. And the, and the same power that said light be is now present in my life to heal my body. Verse 20. See, how can you not preach this? Because it's everything. And it's time for the church to rise up and be who you are. To know that the God of heaven loves you. That he's with you and for you. And he is the one. He's your strength. He's your joy. He's your peace. You don't have to try to figure it out or do it. He'll do it through you. Verse 20, and he said, you cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Wow. Guess what? You and I can see his face because we're his children now. But Moses couldn't yet because he wasn't born again yet. But the Lord, and look at this, and, and the Lord said, behold, now look at this, behold, there is a place by me. It's the place of grace. And you, Moses, shall stand upon a rock. Jesus stood at the temple of Pan and, and looked, it was called the gates of hell. 
And he said, the gates of hell will never prevail against my church. He says, he said at one point, upon this rock, I will build my church upon a revelation of who Jesus is. And you shall stand upon a rock. This is a type of our place in Christ. We have a special place of grace in Christ. And it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put you in a cliff of the rock. So now, so God says, you're standing upon a rock and now I'm going to put you in the cliff of the rock. So now you're going to be surrounded top, bottom, on all sides by the rock and me. And it says, it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put you in a cliff of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. This is a type of, how, of our place in Christ. Colossians says, we are tucked away with Christ in God. And it says, verse 23, and I will take away my hand and you shall see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. See, it says the same thing in another scripture, Psalm 512. I'd write this one down. This will change your life. This changes laws. It'll open doors for you that nothing can shut. Psalm 512 says this, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. That's the word grace. It's translated grace or favor. With favor will you compass. This word means to crown and surround. With favor or with grace, you will compass me. You will compass him as with a shield. I, this place I have in Christ causes his favor and his grace to completely compass me as with a shield. God's favor is like a shield that surrounds us. Grace provides you and I with this position in God's presence. This is who you are. This is not something you grow into. This is who you are today. So let me just close as we're finishing this thing up. I want to leave you with this now Another enhanced definition of grace. Grace is a condition of God's influence. Grace is a condition of God's influence along with a position of right standing with him in Christ. Along with a position of right standing with him in Christ because of our relationship with Jesus. That's what grace is. The more we gain knowledge of Jesus, the more we grow in grace. We grow in knowing who we are in Christ. Our relationship with God, it's likened many times in the Bible to a father and a son. God wants you in this place of grace where you're surrounded with his grace and his favor and you know and you're growing every day in who you are in Christ and you're accessing a more than enough portion of his grace 
to empower you to take you more into your eternal life, more into your salvation, so that now, as you're walking this out, what's coming out of you is the glory of God, and it attracts all of your fruit. It makes you the head, the top of your field, and not, you're above only and not beneath. It opens doors. It, it, it literally causes the world to look at you and go, what is it about you? The, the God of heaven is blessing you. That's who you are. Amen?